I want to give a shout out to Deborah Valenti and her Awana team in the Alabama, Florida region. After training a church, one of their trainees had a powerful realization one year later. While driving his school bus full of kids ranging from K-5 to 12th grade, he looked in his rearview mirror and saw that 20 out of the 35 kids on his bus attended their Awana program. Plus, out of those 20, 10 had gotten saved and baptized. He and the other leaders are very excited about club and the families that have joined their fellowship because of Awana. Welcome to the Awana Clubs podcast. This is a very special episode. And my name is Ross Cochran. I normally am hosting the Child Discipleship podcast but I'm over here on this thread today because I get the chance to talk to Greg Hunter. Greg, welcome to the podcast, sir. Thanks, Ross. Great to be with you. Now, Greg, you run an organization called Christian Camp and Conference Association. We, we refer to it as 3CA. So if I refer to the organization today, it saves a lot of syllables. Amen to that. So can you explain to folks what 3CA is and what the sort of scope of your ministry looks like? Sure. We're an association of Christian camps in the United States, and currently there are about 865 camps that are members of our association. Our mission, Ross, is to maximize ministry for member camps and conference centers. So in, in brief, the summary is we want to help them do what they do even better from some of the business stuff or marketing things that they would normally spend their time with. Um, and, and we help provide training we provide resources, we provide conferences, we do group buying contracts that allow them to buy things like food and building supplies cheaper. So again, just, just think, uh, we're your back office solution for just about everything we can do to help members um, run their ministries and be more effective at what they do. Love that. And we should say, let's get, you know, the specific sort of plugs, if you will, right out of the, you know, out of the way in the beginning. If you are someone who's listening, who's in the position of influence with the camp, we would love for you to check out the show notes of this episode where you can learn more about 3CA and yes. uh, be in a position where maybe it's going to make sense for you and your camp to become a member of this association. And I would love that because I see such a level of alignment between your mission and the mission and direction that we here at Awana are taking. Most of the folks who are listening have some level of association with camp. You, person who's listening, may have been a part of camps that were more run by Awana. You may have been uh, part of camps that were just run through your church. I think it's almost a stereotype of the Christian experience that at some point you're in a camp. But to sort of help shape the conversation, I'm curious how you define the differences between what kids are experiencing in camp today versus what you or I experienced in camp however many years ago. Yeah, well, so uh, I, I went to camp for the first time in 1981. So it just means I'm really old. And that's the, that's the location uh, that God used, that experience to reach down into my life and convince me that he loved me and wanted a relationship with me. So I gave my life to Christ in my first camp experience, but again, in 1981, what I can tell you, Ross, is that the basic 
purpose and function of camp Christian camps uh, is the same. Um, it it, it uh, involves around this thing called temporary community. We do that in our circles. We call it temporary community where it provides an opportunity for kids to get away from their daily routine. And that includes peer pressures, some bad habits, um, some maybe even not so bad habits, maybe even pressures of family and allows them to, to be in a quiet and usually beautiful setting in the midst of God's creation where they can hear his voice, where maybe back home, there's so much going on and so much routine and the ruts that they travel in are so deep. Camp Then and Camp Now provides this beautiful opportunity for kids to say, I can I can leave all those things behind and let me just focus on the, the activities, the programs, the message that's being delivered. And so many kids respond to an invitation from God to join him in relationship through his son, Jesus, during a camp experience. Those things really haven't changed over the decades, and as I've traveled, I've been in my position for 12 years now. Okay. As I've traveled, I see once in a while something pop up. It's a new game, it's a new feature, it's a new uh, activity. In fact, one that is fairly new, probably in about the last 12 to 15 years, maybe if it's even a little newer, is something called Gaga Ball. Ever heard of it? No, but I'm excited, and we are we officially found the episode title for this podcast. <laughs> so it has nothing to do with the female entertainer, Gaga Ball. I believe it's Hebrew to understand the term. Gaga means touch, touch, which okay. is you're, you're opening, you're hitting with an open hand a ball. So it's like dodgeball in a pit. The walls are about two or three feet high. And so you get a bunch of kids inside and you start slapping the ball. And if it hits you below the waist, you're out. Sure. Until there are just two people left. And then it's kind of a, the play to see what happens. Kids stand in line in the sun for hours <laughs> to wait to play gaga ball. And right. so this is combining dodgeball and foursquare. So that, that's, I mean, I, I could go on and maybe list some activities and things like that, but there are still camps that do high ropes courses, low ropes, um, some that have horse programs. Many, many camps have waterfront, and so you can do canoeing and rowing and swimming and, and all those things, uh, as well as field sports. But at its core, camp is the same as it's always been, and it's an opportunity for kids to hear from God and, and grow closer to him or come to know him at camp. That's, there's a lot of good stuff there. What I want to lean into, given the nature of your organization, is similar to Awana, you guys are existing as this partner to local camps, the way that we exist as a partner to the local church. And I would imagine that you're hearing things from members of your association that are indicative of a lot of the conversation that we have on this podcast every single week, where kids are spending more and more time isolated Kids are having to deal with breakdown of the family. Kids are having to have this experience, especially now post-COVID, where there just feels like a lot of unsteady ground. Whether it's from anecdotal stories directly or just from your perspective, what are some of the greatest needs that camps have right now in relation to their kids? One of the things that comes to mind first is the needs that the kids have. Camp leaders from staff to volunteers are still thinking about how do we minister to these kids when they come to us. Camp leaders are generally experts in youth culture because they get these microcosms one week or two weeks at a time and they see the culture comes to them and they see the things the kids are into, the things they talk about and all of that. And that certainly has changed since I was a camper. But the needs of kids for us have stayed the same in all these decades. The need for acceptance 
They have a need for belonging. The connection that that uh, kids get when they come to a Christian camp, where generally um, they're either there with leaders who come with them, or they get to go and meet their camp counselor, for example, when they arrive. But they're adults who love kids and care about kids, and they love God, and they want kids to love God. And so their purpose there is to give kids the best week of their life, the best experience they've had. But the foundation of it is all to help them turn their their face and their attention toward God. Sure. What COVID has done is it takes that need. It has taken that need kids have for connection and just cut it off. For a couple of years, you can't connect. And so our members, um, when when they started to get back into camp last year uh, in larger numbers and, and actually open camp and host kids, they said, we have had more emotional challenges, mental health challenges than we've ever seen before. And not just with young people, actually some, some had uh, that the same with staff, with counselors. Right. But all that does, it, paints, it points to the fact that COVID j- just um, kind of threw a wrench in the works of all the relational development that happens. And so what, what camp is now providing in great numbers is this opportunity for kids now to go back and finally be with people, to act like kids, to have fun and play, and also then to consider the more serious issues of life. And that's that's what camps are there for. And, and by the way, what we understand, that the phrase, I think I mentioned this to you once before, that the phrase pent-up demand is one of my favorites now. Mm. Camps are getting booked up really quickly. Yeah. For, for summer, because in some families, kids haven't been able to go to camp for two or three years. And so... Uh, moms, dads, and their kids are are excited to get their kids out and get them back to camp this year. Yeah, and I should say, just from a from my own personal perspective, if you're listening to this, of course, I want you to check out Greg's organization. But more importantly, I want you to check out, and Greg would echo this, the camps in your area, because I'm not coming to this conversation in an unbiased way. You know, for my particular story, it was not a Christian camp, but a camp experience was the most formidable experience of my high school years. It also happens to be where I met and then later proposed to my wife. But it was something that deeply shaped the identity of who I am. And the reason is exactly what we were talking about. I felt like I belonged there. I was surrounded by what we would say around here is loving, caring adults. And they were helping me become who I would eventually understand to be the person that Jesus is ultimately calling me to be. Yeah. Perhaps in previous years, it would have been an obvious thing, but it's important to state explicitly, is a lot of camp happens outside now. And I think a lot of kids, if you are asking people who are listening to this, sort of what is their chief complaint about the sort of stereotype voice of kids these days, it's that they're spending too much time inside and on screens. Can you speak to just the simple value of how camps reconnect kids with nature? Well, almost every camp that I've ever spoken with, and I, you know, again, we've got um, 865, 867 members. I've visited, I think, over 150 camps, and there are only a couple who have said, you know, we've decided to be a little more contemporary and we'll allow kids to keep their electronic device at camp. Uh, I've been disappointed, and I had a young lady who was, I think, a high school student stand up in front of a group of Christian camping people and say, please don't let kids keep their device away. <laughs> I hated the idea when I went to camp, but I realized after the first day and a half, I wasn't looking down at my hand anymore. I was looking at people in the eye. It was so new to actually have conversations with people. And I could just say, our members host about 6.9 million people, campers and guests a year. 
And if we can say we take kids by the millions and get them out into nature um, and get them away from their devices, there, there are study after study that talks about how many hours teens specifically spend on devices a day. And it might be six, it might be seven, it might be eight hours. Hard to build a relationship, true relationship with others when that's the case. One other thing that I um, would mention Richard Louvre wrote a book several years ago called Last Child in the Woods, and he coined the term nature deficit disorder. And he pointed to a lot of problems that kids face today with um, depression and anxiety and social um, social anxiety situations. And um, his, his thesis is that when you get kids out in nature, those things can uh, sort of address uh, be, be addressed just by being in creation. So good mentally and emotionally for a, a kid's health to be out in nature as opposed to being inside and particularly being on a screen. Yeah. Well, let me just say too, I am what I think can only be described as indoorsy. But it's important to highlight what you said of being in creation, which is to say even someone like me when I am really wrestling something with something with God, I am often encountering him walking my dog or playing outside with my kids. There is something, forgive the bad turn of phrase, natural about being able to worship in nature, however explicit or implicit that worship is. Here, what I'll tell you is... Um, there was a study that we used a few years ago. It was a government study. So we couldn't be accused of introducing a Christian bias, but it was that, um, that when people spend time in nature, they actually result, the, the result is that they are kinder and more generous. Hmm. Think, think about that. I mean, I'm not even sure how they measured it. I just know that study, but maybe it was, are you inclined to give to that person you see in need right now? And they measured them before they put, the, sent them into nature for a while and after, but the study proved or showed that the people are kinder and more generous once they spend time in nature. I think Ross, it's because they have been a little bit closer to God, whether they recognize him or not. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. I wanna go, go, go. Imagine your kids living beyond themselves, sharing Jesus with others, praying for the lost, giving sacrificially, and becoming more like Christ every day. If this gets you excited, then get ready to grow with Awana Go. Awana Go is a great way to mobilize your kids, youth, and entire congregation to put their faith into action and participate in God's mission to reach the world. We do that by providing the tools and ideas to ignite kids' passion and imaginations to what God is doing across the globe. Then give them the opportunity to join him where he is working, like the Africa Child in School Initiative. Jump in with the Wanna Go for greater kingdom impact and help your kids reach other kids for Christ. Visit awana.org slash go today. Jesus, I wanna go. So people who are listening to this might be going, Ross, Greg seems really nice. I'm going to check out his organization. I had a good camp too. But what the heck does this have to do with Awana or what the heck does this have to do with discipleship generally? And I want to just speak for myself and say that one of the reasons why I love working at Awana right now 
is because we've never, there's never been a time in our history where I've been able to be less prescriptive. I'm a guy sitting in a suburb of Chicago talking about discipleship every week. And that is such a joy for me. However, I am not going to pretend that I know the exact best practical and, ta and tactics for discipleship in your community. However, what I do know is that camp might be able to help. Yeah. Can you speak to the ways in which camp provides this deeper connection? You were talking about it with just a simple level of eye contact yeah. that potentially extends what the work of a church leader or a small group leader who's listening to this may have been doing throughout the traditional school year. Well, so with, um, with a focus on discipleship, um, here's a summary comment for you. Pastors, youth pastors have told me the reason that I believe in camp is that I can do the equivalent of a year's worth of discipleship in a week at camp. Hmm. And that is so, so how much time do we get to spend with our kids every week? And specifically, how much one-on-one -on -one time do we get to spend with, with kids and actually do discipleship? I'm sure it happens. I know, I know it happens. But when there's time set aside for you to be with your leader, maybe a, alone uh, every day, um, again, out in, uh, in a canoe or something, or walking uh, out in the, in the ball field or something, so that, that uh, you're, you're actually finding out where the child is you're finding out where, what they struggle with, where their challenges are, and you can apply what you know of scripture and truth to their life um, without the, the idea that, you know what, your dad's waiting in the parking lot, you better go. Uh, <laughs> we got to cut this short. This is a serious conversation, um, and it's really deep and important to you, but we, we've got to go. Um, so the availability and, the again, the, the temporary community that separates kids from their daily routine so they can focus um, is, is really important. If, if I could, Ross, I would actually address the, uh, a study that we have done in, in, for a couple of years before COVID that um, it addressed three really important elements that I think are, are um, foundational to uh, discipleship. And the, the area, so the questions that were asked um, focused on vertical faith, horizontal faith, and self-confidence. Sure. So the vertical faith questions would be things like, I believe Jesus rose from the dead. I believe the Holy Spirit is active in the world. God created the world. The Bible is the word of God. Um, and so there were those measures. And students were asked the question first day of camp, last day of camp, and then with parents' permission, all of these, two to three months later when they went home from camp, test the idea of the mountaintop experience. Yeah. See, was there growth from day one to last day? And then when they got home, things were back to where they were before. And we found that that wasn't the case, that um, two to three months later, the numbers still continued to grow. It got stronger from the first day to the last day. So the mountain seems bigger than we thought it was on the peak, or maybe it's a plateau that now they're going to keep growing. And um, so I think, and I can tell you the other details, I think you can probably assume what they were for the horizontal faith questions as kind of a relationship with me and my peers, and then self-confidence, things like I know I can make friends. Each one of these measures increased two to three months after they came to camp. And so if you're talking about discipleship, if I'm a youth leader back home in my church, and I have the understanding that my kids may come back on what seems like a mountaintop, but that the study shows they may stay or grow uh, further, it'll make my job even easier. It makes my focus uh, maybe even more 
powerful on those kids who have had the camp experience. Totally. Well, it's such an important, it's probably the most common, I'll say misconception about the camp experience is that it is this mountaintop. It is this, uh, I've heard the phrase church high experience that gets created. And instead, what I think is so critical for people to hear is how God uses experiences like this to further the work that you, dear listener, are doing in the life of a kid each and every week throughout the school year. And how great it is to actually open up this kid's perspective and this kid's life to experiences that they may not have in their local community. The other thing that I'm curious about is how the discipleship of these kids, you know, it's being fueled throughout the year. The people who are listening to this, they are doing the weekend, week out work. But you said something, which is you can do a year's worth of discipleship in a week, which both speaks to what we know to be true about church attendance and the access that church leaders have to kids. But I think it also speaks to the way in which camp can sometimes feel like life to the full when we in our day-to-day lives sometimes get overwhelmed. Yeah. What, what is your response to people who are going to listen to this and be like, that sounds great, but I can't. That sounds great, but I don't have the money to send my kids to camp. That sounds great, but I'm a camp leader and I don't have any guy volunteers and therefore I can't do camp. That sounds great, but I'm a parent and I'm trying to figure out how to survive the summer and I'm too overwhelmed to engage in this conversation. How do we encourage those folks to lean in rather than lean out? Because I'm such a believer in the camp experience, because it, it was uh, the, the experience God used to change my life. I uh, always encourage parents to, to think about what it takes to find a way to get their kids there. Uh, what I didn't mention a few minutes ago, Ross, is that I, uh, coming from a non-Christian home, mm. there no way my parents were going to pay for me to go to a camp, and a fairly expensive one back in 1981. And so I, my, my leader told me... Uh, he, I, he asked me to go. I said, you know, I have to work. I can't afford not to work and I, and then pay for camp myself. I can't do that. He said, well, what if I can get you a scholarship? I said, if you can do that, I'm in. He said, well, you're gonna have to work for it. So I went weeds in Mrs. Herman's garden and she wrote a check for me. Oh, to- that's delightful. And we have had a, um, a, a program that we call Corners of the Field from the, the passage in Leviticus where farmers are challenged or commanded not to harvest all the way to the corners of their field, but to leave that section for the poor and the alien to come and be fed. So our scholarships are available to our members. They apply for them and uh, we grant scholarships out and we've, we've uh, invested more than a half million dollars to get thousands of kids to have the same camp experience I got because I was scholarship. In addition to that, almost every member camp that I know of, again, over 860 of them, have a scholarship program. I, I was just with a leader last week, and, and he said, you know, we've never turned a kid away because of money. Think about how powerful the word never is in that sentence. Yeah. If you're a parent listening and you say, well, I've got in mind this Christian camp up the road, or a few of our friends have gone there, but uh, I don't think we could make it, I'd say contact the camp um, and, and, and see if they could help with a scholarship. It might be a partial, it might be a full, you never know. 
And there are, there are wonderful, beautiful donors uh, to camps out there to, who want to help them make the same kind of concession or just to help pay for the expenses of your kids in your youth group or your kids in your family to have camp experience. So my challenge is never, never give up. Don't let the roadblock stand in your way. Find a way because there are a lot of people who are willing to help get your kids to camp. Greg, there's one more thing that I want to lean into, which is, you know, we've talked about discipleship in these broad terms, but I want to connect it to this conversation that our audience in particular is very familiar with, which we call our 3B discipleship philosophy. And it is not a three-step process. It is very circular in nature, but it's probably the closest we can get to putting handles around a sort of how-to for kids to be discipled, similar to the data study you were mentioning earlier about vertical, horizontal faith. It's belong, which is highly relational. We've spoken about that extensively. And I think that's probably the most obvious one for what people would could see happens in a camp structure. Believe, which is deeply scriptural, and you spoke to that. The fact that not only your story, you were able to encounter who Jesus is for the first time in the camp experience, but the hundreds and probably thousands of folks who are even listening to this who share the same story. The last piece of this, though, I want to lean into, which is this become, which is highly experiential. And I think when I think of camp as someone who is not in this world every day like you are, I think there is both this sort of short-term become highly experiential where kids are doing an activity they may have never done before, and they're seeing this confidence, they're being supported by their peers. I know from my own experience that camp helped me become who God was making me to be. Can you speak to people who they're like, that's a really cute study, Greg, but I don't believe you. The mountaintop experience is all that you get because I've gone to enough conferences and Monday morning always comes. How does camp help a child to become who God has made them to be months, even years after our camp? Well, several years ago, a friend, a dear friend and I, who, he's a camp director, and I were talking about this, and um, he was the first one who said, you know, we shouldn't shy away from the idea of the mountaintop experience at camp, because it's the mountaintop experience that prepares us for life in the valley. Mm. If, if what we're talking about is we're in a mountaintop experience, we're at camp and we feel close to God, and everything and everybody here wants us to get closer to Jesus, that, that's absolutely true. And then we go down in the valley and we know that's not the case, right? We live in this world, so we know that not everybody we encounter here is intent upon growing our relationship with God. That's what he was referring to. But it's because we've had that experience on the mountaintop that when we go back into the valley, we are, we are because we're, we are closer to God, the feelings of the, the camp high may subside, but who we are and who we've become is still there underneath. For me, um, I, I was a rebellious, obnoxious, hard partying kid when I went to camp. I went to camp to meet girls, sure. and, uh, and I met Jesus instead. So I went. Um, <laughs> but but what 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 happened to me there changed the direction of my life. Now I went home and 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 I didn't go back to doing all the things that I did before. But there were elements that that were still the shadows of the previous person that God continued to chip away at in me. And so when I, I liked Ross when you said weeks, months, years later, it's been 41 years since I went to camp and God is still working on me, but he put me in a position to be in relationship with him because of that. 
um, haven't been a perfect person that whole time. I, as much like Jesus as I want to, right? Yeah. But I'm on that path, and it started at camp. Um, and so by, by the grace of God, millions of people who go to camp may have the same experience, um, that, that maybe the emotions can subside, but the spiritual ground that's been gained doesn't have to be given up, and it can sustain someone, and, and they can build upon it the rest of their life. Thanks for listening to the Awana Clubs podcast. The Awana Clubs podcast is a product of Awana Audio. All rights reserved. Your support and donations to the Awana ministry make it possible for us to partner with 62,000 churches in over 130 countries. Check out the show notes wherever you're listening for more information about what was discussed in this episode, as well as more details about today's host and their ministry. If you like this episode, you'll also like the Child Discipleship Podcast, where new episodes drop every Thursday. Our theme song is Jackpot by Made to Be from their album, You Know a Better Way. You also heard their song, Throne, from their album, Save Me From Myself. This podcast is executive produced by Tim Sandoval, mixed and edited by Marlon Washington, and content support is provided by me, Ross Cochran. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week.